0: Katie Schneider has worked in the Village of Niles, a suburb just north of Chicago, for almost two decades. Long enough that sometimes, when she's driving down the town's main commercial drag, Tui Avenue, going past grocery stores and nail salons and hot dog stands, she doesn't even notice the town's main attraction.
1: I forget it's there because I see it all the time, right? I've been part of the Village of Niles for so long.
0: Sometimes, you got to see your town with fresh eyes.
1: And I remember um, I was traveling with a friend of mine who was from uh, the East Coast, and we drove past, and I mean, he almost jumped out of the car. He couldn't believe it. He was like, oh my, what is, and he was Italian, so he probably had a little more familiarity with, with the Leaning Tower of Pisa.
0: That's right. Rising out of these suburbs at a notably jaunty angle is a replica of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. It's the Leaning Tower of Niles. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're taking you to Pisa, by way of Niles, Illinois, home of an exactly half-sized replica of the Leaning Tower. We'll go there after this. along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. The village of Niles is actually a sister city to Pisa, Italy. And delegates from Pisa came for a visit in 1991. And when they did, naturally, they had to check out this American version of their famous leaning tower and compare notes.
1: One of them said, wow, like this is a really great replica, nice tower. Problem is yours is sturdy and isn't going anywhere and ours keeps moving. So they're not exactly the same.
0: (laughs) This is Katie Schneider, and she works for the village of Niles. She is their resident leaning tower expert.
1: It was built to lean, and it does lean exactly half the size of the one in Pisa. There's columns on the side, there's railings that go up, but it is, or it was at one time, an active tower.
0: The Niles version was made with a purpose in mind. It was made as a functioning water tower. More on that part later. The tower is 94 feet high, and its bottom floors are about 30 feet in diameter. Like the original, this tower in Niles is made up of layers of delicately arched columns, looking sort of, almost like a precariously stacked wedding cake. The replica in Niles pays attention to the little details, too. For example, the tiling on the staircases, it's marble from Italy. And then there's the tower's bells. They aren't just any bells. They were bells cast in Italy, dating from the 17th and 18th centuries.
1: So there's seven bells that sit at the top. And then we have melodies, basically, that were made exclusively for those seven bells. Um, so it'll play some tunes that, you know, many people know it plays like on top of Old Smoky" and a couple of others.
0: I'm guessing the one in Pisa plays a different tune. Like the original, the tower in Niles leans. This one by more than seven feet. But unlike the original in Pisa, this one leans on purpose. You may wonder how a tower like this, a purposely leaning tower, ended up in a sleepy Chicago suburb in the first place. Well, the answer is a man named Ilg. Robert Ilk. In 1890, an 11-year-old boy named Robert Ilg emigrated to the U.S. from Germany with his widowed mother. Young Robert soon proved to be pretty precocious. Before the age of 30, he had established his own fan motor and fan manufacturing company, and by the 1920s, it became the industry leader. As a boss, Ilg was really concerned for the welfare of his employees, which was pretty unusual for the time.
1: He was one of the first businessmen that offered profit sharing to his employees. And so taking care of his employees was a big part of his core value within his company.
0: That concern extended to his employees' lifestyles as well. According to the Chicago Tribune, he refused to let his employees smoke at work, told them how to brush their teeth. And if an employee cashed his payroll check at a bar, Ilg sent future checks home directly to the man's wife. In the 1920s, Ilk decided that his employees needed a space to hang out in and relax.
1: He built a park in Niles uh, for his employees to enjoy on the weekends with their families. It was 22 acres and it had two pools. The pools needed a water pumping system, and he didn't want the, the water system to be an eyesore at the park.
0: Ilg thought, why build a boring old water tower when you could build something big, something beautiful, something audacious? Why he landed on the Tower of Pisa is a little unclear, though Katie says Ilg's work as an inventor might offer some clues.
1: It's said that he dedicated the tower to Galileo because it's believed that Galileo used the Leaning Tower of Pisa on some of his experiments with gravity. Robert Ilg really wanted to encourage, like, students and young minds to think scientifically and to wonder uh, about the world and, and to make a difference and make an impression on it. And so he was very supportive of the sciences and of education in general.
0: At first, Ilg had trouble finding anyone who shared his unique vision. Contractors he approached for the project thought that building an intentionally leaning tower was just an enormous risk. Eventually, Ilk did find an engineer who would take it on. They ended up building a huge support structure underneath the tower in the direction of the tilt, made of reinforced concrete. The tower may lean, but it's not falling over anytime soon. After it was completed in 1934, the tower became a local landmark and a symbol of the town. Although not everybody quite got it. In the 50s, the Chicago Tribune reported that a man who fixed sagging silos for a living approached Ilg and offered to do a good cheap job of straightening the tower's lean. Why won't you just let me fix it? (laughs) In the early 1960s, shortly before Ilg died, he donated the tower to the YMCA, saying that the organization had done so much to support him and his mother when they first arrived in the U.S. But the gift came with an unusual and specific stipulation that the YMCA spent $500 a year to maintain the tower until 2059. As you can imagine, $500 today doesn't cover as much as it used to. Over the years, the actual cost of maintaining the tower just became too much for the YMCA. And so they sold it to the village of Niles. The villages restored the tower's historic bells, they fixed cracks in the concrete, and they've been working to update the railings and other safety features. The hope is that someday soon, visitors will be able to climb to the top of the tower and take in views of the Chicago skyline. In the meantime, the tower still draws lots of visitors every year to the village of Niles.
1: If they can't get to Italy, they can get to Niles. So <laughs> that's the next best thing. <laughs>
0: The tower is open to the public, uh, although you cannot walk to the top just yet. They are still working on it. Uh, But the historic bells ring four times a day. Stay updated at vniles.com. Special thanks to Katie Schneider and Mitchell Johnson for sharing the story of the Leaning Tower with us. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by
1: Amanda McGowan.
0: The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder-Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, McKenna Smith,
1: Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson,
0: John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There's a link in our episode description. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher.
1: Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Women Who Travel is a transported podcast for anyone curious about the world. We talk to adventurers and athletes. I've raced the God's Own Adventure race, which is on the South Island and goes through the mountains down in the Southern Alps on New Zealand. That was eight days spent out in the wilderness. And chefs. Iranian food is home, it's family, it's love. And we share dispatches from our listeners. Ireland is
0: full of these,
1: I I will call them ghosts of the past. From stampeding elephants to training sled dogs, we hear it all. The dogs will curl right up with you and it can be kind of cozy waiting things out. New episodes of Women Who Travel publish every Thursday. Join us wherever you listen.